I'm Bonnie Mortensen. I'm a program creator, a career designer, and a strengths builder. Each week, we'll offer relatable advice on how to find more contentment and creativity in your career and in life. This is the show that encourages all women to engage and empower each other in their work, in their home, and in their community. Welcome, Achievers, to your podcast. Achieve Her podcast. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. We have such an an, just an incredible episode. So this is the first of many fangirl episodes that we're going to do, and it's such a good one. So today we're speaking with Dr. Julie D'Azevedo Hanks. And let me just give you a little bit of background um, into Dr. Hanks. So she and I first met in 2015 when I worked with Dr. Susan Madsen as the coordinator for the Utah Women in Leadership Project. And Dr. Hanks was participating in a panel, just a panel event that we were hosting. And uh, the panel was called, uh, or the event was called, You're Already Good Enough, How Embracing Imperfection and Cultivating Confidence Frees You to Influence and Lead. So it was a really interesting and intense panel and just a lot of fun too. They just, they got along really well they were, they all seemed to be friends. And so I really enjoyed the panel. Uh, Dr. Hanks, however, had made some comments that really stood out to me. So I found out she had a blog and I started just reading anything online I could find that she had written. Shortly after I had found out she had written uh, a book and I got that book and then she wrote another book and I got that book and I started following her online and then I started listening to her on other podcasts and listening to her on when she was making TV appearances and so on. So it has been a dream of mine to interview her for quite some time. I am such a fan of her research. You're going to be able to hear that in this episode. I am talking a thousand miles an hour because I'm trying to get everything in that I can. Uh, Thankfully, after the interview and speaking with Dr. Hanks, she agreed to come back so we can do some deep dives on some of the topics that you're most interested in. And so we'll give you that opportunity to shoot some questions over to us and let us know what you would love to have Dr. Hanks come back and talk about maybe one of the topics that we uh, touched on. So there is a lot we're covering in the interview. I'll give you that preemptive information. So um, just kind of fasten your seatbelt because it's kind of it's kind of a fast interview. But she is, I think you're really going to enjoy this. She gives us some really great advice. So I just want to tell you a little bit about Dr. Hanks in case you're not familiar with her. Dr. Julie Diazavedo Hanks is an assistant professor of social work in the behavioral science department at Utah Valley University. She holds an MSW from the University of Utah and a PhD in marriage and family therapy from the University of Louisiana at Monroe. So in 2002, she founded Wasatch Family Therapy, which is an outpatient therapy clinic. There's locations in the Salt Lake City and the Bountiful, Utah areas. This is where she currently serves also as an executive director. So Dr. Hanks has authored two books, 
The Burnout Cure, and The Assertiveness Guide for Women, both which we reference in the podcast episode. She has also written over a thousand blog posts. She also has an online following of 75,000 social media followers. She is also known as a national and local media contributor. And guys, she has a TED Talk, which is super cool. So we'll make sure we uh, link that in the show notes as well for you so you can listen to it if you haven't already. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Dr. Julie D'Azevedo-Hanks. Hi, Julie. (laughs) Hi, Bonnie. (laughs) So great to have you here with me. I really enjoy your work, especially aspirational shame, which is a huge area that I think most women, especially women in in the business realm, really deal with, but women everywhere deal with that. Uh, I'm wondering if you could give us a, just kind of an overview of how that started for you. Yeah, so I grew up in a conservative religion, like a lot of people in Utah, but I grew up in California. <laughs> um, but I, I grew up being taught that my greatest role was as a, as a wife and a mother, and that that was kind of the primary thing that I should focus on. And as a young adult, I was I had so many interests that felt really limiting to me to think, oh, well, I grow up and every woman's going to be the exact same thing. But what about my talent for songwriting or my interest in human behavior? And so I really wrestled and, and I felt bad about myself that I wanted so much for my own life that was outside of home and family. And so I called that aspirational shame and I wrote about it in a blog post several years ago. And that phrase resonated with a lot of people like, oh, that's what I have. I have that too. I feel guilty for going to business school or going to law school or for working full time or whatever. Um, So it's feeling like you're a bad person because of interests outside of home and family. And I think it's so... It's so interesting, especially in the culture that we live in Uh, with the dominant religion in our state. We many women do understand and and have that same upbringing Mm -hmm. where we feel like we're only going to be fulfilled or we're told we're only going to be fulfilled if we do one thing. Mm -hmm. There's no and along with that. Um, Can you explain to us how you came about, I, I guess, really forging your way into into those pathways, into finding, okay. I really do have a a talent for this and an interest in this, and I want to pursue this. Mm -hmm. How were you able to do that? I was able to, well, I say I refused to choose. That was an unacceptable choice. And I looked around at the men in my life and I'm like, they don't have to choose. Why do I have to choose? Right. (laughs) And um, I just want to be clear. I think full-time motherhood is a very valuable endeavor. And for me, I wanted something in addition to that. I value my family a lot. And I also value my education and career and, 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 lots of ands. So I just, I refused to buy that paradigm that women had to choose either or. And I'm not saying you can have it all, all at the same time because you you have to be, um, you know, parenthood is a commitment for, for right. both parents. Um, so you have to be cautious about how you put things together, but, but it's not an either or. 
I, I agree. I, I had someone tell me one time, there are seasons in your life. There are seasons to do these things. Um, you're, it's just not your season right now because you have young children. And I always thought, and I always kind of had a side hustle anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I always thought, well, no, I have to have this creative outlet because it makes me a better mother. Yeah. I'm a better human being. I'm a better wife. I'm a better friend. If I am pursuing something that brings me joy. Mm-hmm. And what are your thoughts on, I guess, on that whole concept of developing who you are and and making that be a, a positive thing where you are pursuing something that brings you that joy and allows you to be able to um, follow a passion and how that can be beneficial to your family, to your children, to your marriage. Yeah, yeah, it really can. So what happens uh, frequently is women who, especially women who get married young, abandon their own self-development. And that's a really dangerous thing to do, no matter what you're doing, if you're a full-time parent, if you're working full-time, whatever, you it's dangerous to, to kind of put that aside um, because everyone else around you is developing. You're, if you have children, they're developing. If you have a partner, they're developing. And while you do have to make sacrifices as a parent, you can't sacrifice your personal growth because that actually in the long run makes it so your family will have to take care of you because you'll be burned out. You'll feel bad about yourself. You'll base your self-worth on your children's behavior or your appearance or something that, you know, you don't really have a whole lot of control over. True. And she literally did write the book on burnout called The Burnout Cure. So we'll link that in the show notes as well. Very amazing book to tip for all women to, to read. Anybody should read that. It's a really good book. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so Julie also has a concept that you share a lot about on, um, on social media. I see and, and anywhere, any, any place I'd seen you speak, you talk a lot about partnership marriage, mm-hmm. which is another concept that kind of, when I heard the term, I was like, oh my goodness, that's what it's called. Yeah. Partnership marriage and partnership family. And so a partnership marriage is a marriage where you share equally and fairly kind of the, the things that need to be done. There's not rigid roles around who does what. So lots of flexibility. And one person is not doing all the supporting and one person's not doing all the receiving of the support. Right. Everyone participates in caregiving, even the kids. They, they help take care of each other. Everyone takes care of the household and everyone's dreams are equally important. So did you see this growing up in any way or was this something that just developed in your own mind? How did so, that happen? So I did not see this. <laughs> um, and my parents are great and they did not have a partnership marriage. And I knew that was something that I wanted to create. So for my dissertation, for my PhD, I studied creative productivity of mothers. Mm. And so I developed a partnership model of family organization as a way to address all the constraints to creative productivity of mothers. So I don't know if that's like a lot, but... so basically, if you if we restructure the family, women can continue to be productive during those years, like the 20s to 40s for for artistic people is tends to be their most uh, where they produce the most mm-hmm. of their whatever their work is. And I use creative very loosely. It could be a business. It could be whatever. And that's also those are the childbearing years. And so 
a lot of women miss out on a big chunk of their life and and their passion for for creating because of family. And so my thesis was we need to restructure the family to support that continued creative productivity. And then I realized, oh, that's it's just a really healthy model of family life just for anybody. Um, So, yeah, that's how it came to be. I love that. And I feel like I have that in in our home. My my husband is amazing, does the laundry, helps with cooking, does the things. We don't talk about babysitting. He parents our children. He Mm -hmm. doesn't babysit them. Um, They're older now, so he doesn't have to do that. (laughs) But um, I have found with my kids and and tell me if maybe this is something you found in your research or just something that, that you have maybe found has developed. My children now, for them, that is the norm. It's it's not abnormal to have my daughter mow a yard. It's not abnormal to have a son doing the dishes. Mm-hmm. So even breaking up, even what those roles look like in chores, mm-hmm. we don't have gender assigned to chores. Yeah, yeah. And and it's I feel like they are more open to having their own families kind of run the same way, just because they've had that modeled for them. Mm-hmm. But also kind of the expectation in society where they're like, okay, well, why couldn't a woman do that? Right. Why wouldn't? Why wouldn't no woman do that? Right. That just becomes normal. That gender equality becomes normal in the home. And so it's expected everywhere else as they grow up. It's it's an amazing. I, I love that whole um, outlook. And in your own in your own life, where you've gone to school, you have, you're an entrepreneur. You own your own businesses. Mm-hmm. Now you're also a professor. You've done all of these things. You are on TV. You're on multiple podcasts. You do a lot of things. How does that look in daily life for you? I think a lot of our um, a lot of our listeners. That is a big question. What? How does that look like how do I yeah that? It, it looks different it looks different now than when I had little kids my youngest is 13 mm-hmm. so uh, the most important thing I learned is build in support for your family it's it's impossible for uh, women to do everything and for men to do everything you, you need support and so build in whether that's family help with childcare or you paid childcare or someone to help clean or redistributing the the chores evenly among the partners and and the kids you need to build something in to support what you're trying to do because in traditional families the support that's built in is the woman right. <laughs> supporting the kids and the husband right so exactly. so you have to shift that support in the family and then you know, if, if you have the resources to hire someone or trade with someone to, uh, you know, do some of the other tasks, that's great if you can do that. But redistributing the work is really important because you can't be, I mean, you can, it's called the second shift, women who work <laughs> full-time and then come home and work another full-time job right. as the primary parent doing most of the household chores. So, so it's possible, but it's really uh, contributes to burnout and depression in women. Is there a tie between, do you feel like between aspirational shame and maybe the shutting down of your own, um, exploration of what you would want to explore to do with, okay, but I should be 
taking care of my children. I should be, you know, taking care of my home. I should be doing these things. Is there an aspect of shame with, I can't do both that falls yeah. in there? Yeah. Because shame is I'm flawed for this re- because I want these things. And so I must be bad. And so I shrink instead of grow. Right. It's so I should, I should be the one to do all these things. And you really hold tightly to that role. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always say motherhood is a relationship, not a role. Ooh, can you say that one yes. more time for the people in the back? <laughs> yes. Motherhood is a relationship, not a role. And fatherhood is a relationship, not a role. Fatherhood is not just about, you know, making money or being the leader or whatever. It's about relating to other human, another human being. And so we, we get so caught up in roles sometimes and who's supposed to do what that we forget about the relationship. And that's what matters to kids. They don't care who does what. True. They just want to know, like, someone's there for them. They're understood. They're loved. They have a safe place. So that totally debunks the whole theory that some people have that if you work outside the home, somehow your children are going to be, you know, there's going to be detriment to your child if you leave them for a few hours and leave them with someone else. Um, What I believe research shows that it actually helps them to be be more social, be more confident, to to feel like they can go out on their own and make Mm -hmm. decisions and do things. Yeah, there there are a lot of positive benefits in the research to having a working mom. And and full-time caregiver mom is awesome too, you know, right. It's, it's because it's about the relationship. You can be a checked out mom and be home 24 seven, or you can be a really plugged into the relationship mom and be working full time. It, it, the quality of that emotional connection is what matters. So I'm wondering if you could offer as well along, along some of these lines, just with relationship, um, management, a lot of women are not given the support to continue an education, mm-hmm. um, not even a bachelor's degree, but, you know, let alone a, a graduate degree. But how do they, how, what is a good, a good way or a good, I don't know, uh, maybe some good advice you could offer to help them navigate whenever they're finding some pushback from the men in their life on, on getting a degree, just on, just on furthering, <clears throat> like, okay, taking that next step, maybe mm-hmm. the, the initial step to, to, uh, further that a career goal possibly. Yeah. I think that development of self and knowing this is really important to me. So it's important and it's just as important as my partner or my parents goals for, for themselves or whoever, that this is really important and own that it's important and require people to support you, like expect people to support you. And when they push back, you push back and say, this is really important to me. This is what I've chosen to do. And with women, do you find that community is really important anyway for women? It's like seeking out other women that are maybe in the same boat is so important. Mm-hmm. So that you and I, each other. I think that's not just a woman thing. I think it's a human thing. We want True. to be around people who who know what it's what we're going through, whether it's you know male or female. Uh, and and I think in the business school in particular, um, my guess is that females are the minority. So it's going to be really yes. important to build that community. 
very important to have the community uh, in, and to understand you're not alone in your whatever you're struggling with. Someone has come before you and struggled with the same or they're in that same boat with you right now. Um, what another issue that that I see coming up a lot, and I think, it, again, all of this ties in together just as as women, but as imposter syndrome. Mm. Um, especially in more male dominated areas of business, Mm -hmm. uh, finance, um, not so much accounting. I I don't feel like, but I see it a lot in finance students where there is a, I'm not smart enough to do this. There's a stereotype that, that men are better at science and math than women. And so I think some women shy away from that. Um, but the imposter syndrome is so interesting I think everybody has some degree of it, but as women were socialized to be humble, meek, not to be proud, not to be, um, you know, bragging, don't brag, don't think you're better than other people. And so I think that gets interpreted as don't have confidence Mm. when it really, you can have all those things and be confident. Right. We don't have to downplay our strengths. Um, The imposter syndrome, people don't believe me, but I still struggle with it on a regular basis. Really? Uh In what areas? If you want to share that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm happy to. as a professor, I'm like, I'm a professor. How did, <laughs> oh my gosh, how, how did that, how did that happen? You know, <laughs> um, yeah. Or, or just, I'm surprised when like, oh, they're paying me for my opinion. That is so cool. What? That is amazing. You know, <laughs> it's, I don't deserve this. Um, that kind of a feeling I have a lot like, oh, wh- so I, even as a PhD, even being so right. successful, even though you've like literally been teaching everybody through social media for years and written books. <laughs> yeah. I Dr. Still, Julie Hanks. So imposter syndrome. every time I do something really scary, like publish a book or, or something that's vulnerable, I have a total meltdown. Wow. Like, oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay. And my husband is great. And he's just like, I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? This happened with my last book. I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> and he's like, because you want to make a difference for people. And I was like, yep, that's right. Okay. Back to work, you know? <laughs> so you allow yourself to kind of have your moment. Yeah, I have my life. moment. Okay. I'm a puddle on the floor. And then I'm like, okay, you're right. That's, that's part of why I'm on the planet is to make a difference. And, and I have to be willing to be vulnerable in order to do that. I love that. I was, I'm listening to Michelle Obama's book right now, and she talks about middle C, finding middle C. Mm. And um, as a piano player, that that's, that's your starting point. That's your North Star. That's mm. everything. And so that just made me think of that. That's your middle C. Mm-hmm. Is Your middle C is... Make a, a difference. Making a difference. For good. Yeah. And that probably is the most important thing we can all do is internally figure out why would we want to lead out? Why do we want to take risk? Why do we, what is that? What is our middle C? Mm-hmm. What, to, what are we looking for? What is our North star? Yeah. Because I, I guess what's our, why, yeah. why are we doing what we're doing? Is that probably the best way? I mean, it sounds like it's the best way you found to kind of get out of imposter syndrome whenever mm-hmm. you're in the middle of, of that. Is that probably the best way for us? Yeah. To like, what back? is my, why, why am I doing this in the first place? And 
if you can't answer that, that's your work to do is, find is find that answer because you will not be able to withstand the vulnerability and the risk that it takes to, you know, to be a woman in a male dominated field or to get a degree beyond what you feel smart enough to earn or whatever that goal is. You have to be able to tolerate you know, being uncomfortable. Uncomfortable is part of part of any journey. <laughs> it's always uncomfortable. It's always there. Um, so, as I mentioned earlier, you well, you wrote the book book on burnout, but you also wrote the book on being assertive. <laughs> so, the, yeah, the assertiveness guide for women. Um, which again, another great book. Um, thank you. I I really enjoy. It. I love. It is such a great. Um, it's a great resource. I think especially for women in business because of negotiation. Mm. It's so important. Well, any woman. I mean, if you have a two, if you have a to- if you've ever had a toddler, you're negotiating. You are a negotiator, master <laughs> negotiator. If you've had a two year old or a teenager, or yeah. <laughs> but we forget. It feels like we forget. I feel like we forget those skills whenever mm-hmm. we're then put in a different environment. Yeah. Um. That we we forget how good we are at that problem solving and critical thinking and we're great at in some aspects of our life but then we we forget we have that skill whenever you're put maybe in a boardroom or you're put in front of a classroom or something Mm -hmm. and so with one of the questions that um, some women had asked specifically actually of you they wanted to know how can women practice being more assertive especially when they have male colleagues that don't value what what they say their ideas Mm. Wow, that's a really good question. So it's so complex. There, there are different expectations of men and women in terms of communication, and there's a lot of research on you can't communicate like a man and have the same impact as a man has. So I think you have to be authentically you and strong. So assertiveness is not aggressiveness. Mm. And that's a huge myth. Women will sometimes go overboard and become aggressive and that rarely works. Um, So being assertive is knowing what you think, feel, want, and need and being able to clearly articulate that and in a strong, powerful way that doesn't infringe on the rights of other people and it doesn't take away from your own self-worth. So I know we're kind of talking out here. So what does that actually look like? So if someone talks over you in or dismisses you in a meeting, you can say, oh, wait, excuse me. I just want to make sure that you heard what I was saying. Uh Or, you know, (laughs) women tend to be interrupted a lot more in meetings. So interrupt a little bit. Hey, can we come back to this? Because I think it's a really important point. And you're not being aggressive. You're just being straightforward. Right. I call it holding up the lantern. Ooh. So you stand with your feet, like if you envision standing with your feet shoulder width apart, holding up a lantern. When you do that, it illuminates everyone around you. And that's what assertiveness is. Oh, I love that. So you're just saying what you think, feel, want, and need, and then being interested in the other person. So what is your take on that? So there's room to illuminate 
the whole situation. It's not just about, I need to be heard. It's about how can I be heard and how can you be heard? I love that. And that's probably why research shows if you have women on boards, you have women <laughs> in organizations, that things do, you have better ideas, you, things generate better, you have better outcomes, be, probably because that is the difference maybe we make. Do you think men are also assertive or do they fall more into the aggressive side or is it just depending on the person? It just depends on the person, but we socialize men to be assertive. Right. That is masculine. It's considered, right? And women are socialized to be more demure mm-hmm. or to kind of hold back, which is why we need a book to teach, you know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> right? <a> <laughs> um, and men generally don't because they think that their opinions are worth hearing and they think that they're, you know, they've been right. trained to believe that they're important and that they're talented. True. And so uh, sometimes the socialization gets in the way and we need a little push for the women to to stand, you know, speak up and, and take a stand. And that socialization, it sounds like it carries up. I mean, even just mm-hmm. in everything. Girls, be quiet, be nice, yep. be organized, be... Yeah. Don't be, ass- uh, be... Assertive is not right. even a word I don't think we even hear. Right. Well, because you think assertive woman, a certain word comes to it, mind. It does. It does. <laughs> Bossy. <laughs> Right. And, and it shouldn't be that way. It, sh- it just, it should flow like a sort of woman. That's right. That, we can be that. And that's a good thing. Because we praise a sort of men. Right. We praise a sort of men. When you think of, an, of, a, of a leader, we usually think of an assertive male. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't we think of a leader as an assertive woman? Right. Would be a beautiful world if that is what we do <laughs> all the time. So I want to close out our interview with uh, Dr. Hanks by asking her, and every one of our guests are going to be asked this question. What is your theme of life song? Do you have a theme of life song? Ooh, so I'm a songwriter. So I, there are a lot of songs that come to mind that I that are important to me. But what, what comes to mind right now is a song called What If? Mm. And so I choosing that song because it's about possibilities and about thinking about what is what's possible and not being limited by just what is. I love that. Do you think that's because of where you're at right now as a new professor? Yeah, just the possibilities and, and things that keep evolving and, and changing. Um, yeah. Okay. And we will add that to our Spotify list so you can also listen to What If and uh, think of Dr. Hanks and and the discussion we've had with her today. I also want to ask you, just looking back, what advice would you give yourself at any point in time in your life? You're enough. Mm. That's the best advice. Yeah. I spent a lot of time feeling like who I was wasn't enough or wasn't right or wasn't good enough. And just to have my adult self say, you're you're enough. Such great advice. Don't we all want to be told that we're enough? I literally could have talked to her for hours. It was so much fun just hanging out with Dr. Hanks for the short time we got to spend together. So I hope you had some really great takeaways about partnership families. It's such an interesting topic. And I think something that we all should explore a little bit more. Also, did you pick up on that tip she gave us about helping to pull yourself out of imposter syndrome? 
find your why. It's so good. Finding your why is actually such a foundational part of personal development that we wanted to share our favorite resources to help you get started in that process. Thank you so much for hanging out with us this week. So before we meet again next time, I want you to find one woman and tell her she's enough, even if that one woman is you. See you later, guys.